Um, and he told us we were going to travel to all these places, and our first stop was Turkey, where he was going to be teaching at uh, what was then an American uh, university. Um, so we got there, and for the first years, we, we traveled about uh, four months of every year, third class. My mother dried my brother's nappies on the, on the pyramids. Uh, and uh, during this time, one of the best things uh, was getting lost, because uh, what I've learned, first of all, most strangers are very kind, at least to children, uh, I, or I was very lucky. But I, had, I, I came out of this with a belief in the kindness of strangers and the importance of getting lost because there are things that you discover that you can't discover any other way. And I think this has uh, been um, a blessing and a curse, this, uh, this understanding. But all this traveling, we, like everybody else who goes near Istanbul, captured by Istanbul, which is, like all great cities, uh, contested, all these competing narratives, one on top of the other. At the time I was there, there was one official story and all these other stories floating underneath. And um, uh, the project then, of course, is westernization, secular westernization. And my father was teaching, and I was growing up in the in epicenter of that project. Uh, and Orhan uh, was you know, also in that school system, and so was his um, brother, who was my boyfriend. And I didn't ever talk to Orhan in those days because he was just the kid brother. And uh, uh, by the time I'm 18, it's turned uh, anti-American in the usual ways, and the banners say, Yankee, go home, and I go home, with a very, very unsettled understanding of who I was and uh, where I was coming from, and of course, not very uh, comfortable in the US either. So I escaped into literature, in particular Latin American literature, where the, pe the three people, I'm mentioning these because they're important to the story, the three people who spoke to me most were although I could never, ever write like them. My influences that I would never, ever even attempt to write like Borges, Cortaza, and Gilles Casares. And moving ahead now, so I've read my novels, moved to England, and the, uh, I'm uh, working for the Ind Independent on Sunday as a columnist and a book reviewer, and I go into the book room in 1990, and there's uh, Chef brother's written a novel, and I think that's very funny. And uh, so I said, well, I'll just do a review of this because, because, because. And then I was completely blown away by the book. It was the first book to be translated into English, The White Castle. And what really drew me to it was uh, it's almost Borgesian solution to the problems of our, um, our shared childhoods, uh, which is uh, the problem about being in an eastern city that's western and eastern the same. So that, that's, uh, that's turned it into a Borgesian paradox. Uh, and uh, so we renewed our friendship, and for the first uh, 10 years of our friendship, let me, yeah, I had the upper hand. I had the upper hand. Because <laughs> uh, he would come to London and he'd say, Maureen, uh, is this per who is this person, and should I do this? Is it important? Why should I be polite to people? Um, uh, I never really thought of that. Um, and so on. And, and uh, 2001, after this very pleasant uh, friendship uh, in two cities, London and Istanbul, he sent me this weird email saying that I, you know, he's having translator trouble. Oh, yes, he has, always has translator trouble. <laughs> and, so could I, uh, could I step in uh, and uh, do a quick one, which was snow. And, uh, I had read the book in Turkish, and I have to say I taught myself Turkish by eavesdropping, uh, because nobody would teach it together, uh, French and Greek before I, I mastered uh, Turkish. So I took a very uh, deep and odd relationship with the, with, with the language. Uh, sort of like uh, a child learns her native tongue, but a little bit later. So I knew, 
I always know what people really mean in Turkey. Uh, I know then they have, you have the post-imperial manners, but I know that they really hate me. <laughs> so, um, I, I knew that, uh, having not, never set out to be a translator, I knew that uh, I was going to make mistakes and they were going to be embarrassing and they were. But I knew that there was something, I, really, I knew that Turkish, the language, the culture, uh, had been blocked by a certain mode of translation which privileged Turkish uh, grammar. And I wanted to capture the music of Turkish, which is what I heard first for many years without understanding it, and uh, which I think is deep and beautiful. And in his novels, there is this narrative trance that's created by this music. And I thought if I could create a narrative trance in English, I would you know, get to the source and, and, and get the power of, uh, of uh, his, uh, his fictive world into, into English. And, and, uh, uh, this is again uh, sort of like uh, my parents setting out to the Mediterranean with no money and three children. Oh, it's going to be beautiful, they always said, and uh, in the end it always was. So I, got, I, I bit off more than I can chew, and I'm going to prove it to you now. So this is the first line of the third book that uh, we worked on together, a retranslation of the Black Book, controversially a retranslation. You can go there another time. Uh, here's the original first line. Yatağın başından uçlanan kadar uzanan mavi damalık yorganın engebeleri, gölgeli ve vadeleri ve mavi yumuşak tepeleriyle öptük tatlı ve ılık karanlıkta rüya gece koyun uzanmış uyuyordu. Now I think that's beautiful. Uh, okay, I'll read it to you again. Yatağın başından uçlanan kadar uzanan mavi damalık yorganın engebeleri, gölgeli vadeleri ve mavi yumuşak tepeleriyle öptüğü tatlı ve ılık karanlıkta rüya yüzü koyun uzanmış uyuyordu. If, I'm going to do it word by word. Turkish is an agglutinative language with lots of suffixes, uh, prefers passive voice, one word, one word for he, she, and it. Okay? Word by word with the suffixes in the order that they arrive. Bed of, top from, tip to, as far as, stretched out, blue check, quilt of, rugged, terrain its, shadowy valleys its, and blue salt hills its, with covered sweet and warm darkness in, Rüya, face down, stretched out, sleeping west. Uh, and so when I speak to people who translate from Western languages, it's, uh, it's almost like we're talking about different practices. It, 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 if you privilege the grammatical structure of this incredibly uh, double-jointed, flexible language, uh, uh, what you end up with is a very clunky thing in which active uh, prepositions are always getting in the way and so on. The idea is to try to, uh, and also because the verb comes at the end, you have each sentence kind of going back like a scorpion's tail. And so I wanted to kind of be pushing it forward to have that stream. And uh, this uh, meant that I was going to be breaking uh, what seemed to be a golden rule amongst uh, translators of prose. So I said to Orhan, look, uh, the poets I know, I was thinking in particular of Michael Holson, the Turkish poet of Japan, who did a, a collaboration for the ARC um, physical poetry series. They collaborated, and they produced this wonderful stuff. So why can't we collaborate, Orhan? I can answer that question now. Um, <laughs> uh, I wrote, uh, anyway, but we worked together uh, very happily for some time, uh, for, for some years, actually. Um, and uh, I would finish a draft, and then he would go over it, and then he would uh, write all over it, and then he would, I would get the strangled phone call. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would get together and fight it out. 
and uh, I have a lot of fun. Uh, so we are finishing the third book, that book uh, whose first sentence I just uh, 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 showed uh, to Reggie. Uh, when a big thing happens in his life, my life, our lives, and that is uh, he uh, sort of acknowledges the Armenian genocide without using the word genocide. Uh, the Turkish state, or some parts of the Turkish state, were not happy with the way he was speaking for the nation or giving an alternative version because messing up their foreign policy. So I think they were kind of out to get him, but they used that uh, statement as a, an excuse to start a hate campaign. There were a lot of other historians and writers who were talking uh, who wanted to open up the, uh, the issue of the uh, 1915 genocide. And uh, they were, um, uh, so a number were hate, uh, hate campaigns uh, targeted. And then there were these prosecutions about insulting Turkishness. And of course, tragically, uh, because I'm a journalist, I say, I'll help you, Orhan. And then he kind of becomes a character in my columns. Which, and he's thankful, but he can't bear being in my columns. Um, and then he wins the, uh, the Nobel Prize. and. Uh, uh, so the great and the good kind of Noah's Ark of publishing of the world, you know, two publishers, two people from each publishing company there, and then the entire Turkish press corps at the Grand Hotel in Stockholm, and they're hiding behind potted plants, hissing at me. Um, uh, so the, the, this is the world I became part of. Uh, not long after that, uh, a very good friend of Orhan's, a friend of mine, uh, a friend of uh, Penn, Prant think Turkish-Armenian journalist, was assassinated. Um, a year after that, it emerged that uh, a group within the state, a state-sponsored terrorist organization, was allegedly uh, planning to kill Orhan himself at a restaurant, which kind of freaked me out because I had a meal with him at a restaurant several days or before these uh, first, before his lawyer, the lawyer who prosecuted him, was actually uh, incarcerated, and he's still in jail, but he's still suing Orhan. Um, now, because, partly because of my campaigning, I then became part of the story. So the story uh, that, they, uh, that the hate campaign was telling was that Orhan uh, had sold his country to Europe to advance his career. This, he, they were even saying this before he won the Nobel Prize, and, then, and they were saying that I had taken on as a client to win him the Nobel Prize, and he would. Um, and so uh, this, uh, if you go to Turkey, you will hear somebody, uh, more than one person, tell you this story. But my part in it is now even more important since the Nobel Prize. And just before we got together to uh, work on uh, the Museum of Innocence, his most recent novel, when our working and relationship kind of fell apart, uh, a columnist said, Orhan, in, in, in Istanbul, Orhan Pamuk writes for one person and one person only, and that is his English translator. He writes his books and then he takes them to her and she reads them and then she tells him what to do. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and needless to say, this kind of interfered in our relationship. Uh, so when we sat down to look at the book that I uh, translated uh, two-thirds of, and uh, it's all about gender, it's all about gender, and don't let, just don't let me go there. Uh, he just said, the deal is off. From now on, you know, we are replicating Turkish grammar. And if you don't like it, ask a true Turk. His language became very ultra-nationalist. And, um, and uh, it was a very, very long story I won't go into. Um, but in the end, uh, the editor and I were able to, to uh, uh, we won, we won. Uh, 
Um, but it was very, very, very pleasant. And, and Orhan really went out of his way with his agents to try to destroy my reputation and, uh, and to try to destroy me in a certain way that I associate with uh, divorce. You know, we've never been, thank God, we've never been involved. Uh, but, you know, anyway. But it's all fine. The translation came out fine. We're friends again. We're doing little, um, very careful things together. And that's good. And he's in a much happier place now. And I think we look back on that time and we see madness we don't quite understand. Finally, what effect has all this had? This kind of immersion in somebody else's head, uh, uh, mind, uh, uh, for, for, for almost 10 years, uh, using, you know, getting onto the, into the music or getting to the center of his books, which are incredibly painful. One of the reasons I think he's one of the greatest novelists I, you know, I have ever read is because he uh, has a much more seriousness of purpose than I did uh, until I became involved with him, is he writes uh, uh, himself to the edge of madness, uh, but he somehow gets, uh, he gets, he does, he, uh, he gets the reward, you know, he gets the magic of, of, of doing that. Um, but as a translator trying to stay very close to the emotions, I was living in those places and often uh, felt like I was buried alive or uh, uh, reaching the void. What is that? The guy who falls into the, uh, the, the, the ice thing. Yeah, I felt, you know, I felt very much like that guy. Uh, and in the most recent novel, I felt like I was, uh, because it was about gender, an obsessed man trying to understand a woman he never asked to speak. Um, uh, I felt like I was inside a bell jar and somebody was taking out the oxygen. Um, so, yeah, what that, I mean, going through that experience means it's not beyond influence, everything. I will never see the world again the same way. I've lived through that. And, uh, but trying to pull out of it, first of all, uh, the effect I have, I'm very, very uneasy. I have uneasy questions about the role of the dissident writer in. Um, uh, not just cultural politics, but uh, but world politics, and um, and in my case, uh, this place we're not going to go to gender relations of uh, author and translator, uh, which are particularly painful for me because I'm a uh, you know not you know, I, I go to, I'm on both sides of that divide that I can. <clears throat> but as a novelist, nothing begins, nothing begins, uh, uh, and I think that's why I um, forgive Orhan all these terrible things that he's done, and even thank him. It's given me uh, a different kind of respect for words because words were what saved me. Uh, if it weren't for words, my words that I created, I'd still be locked in the in that horrible furnace at the middle of the black book or something. It's also renewed my understanding of form in the Borgesian, Cortasarian uh, sense of form as an enactment of the idea it sets out to explain. Uh, and it was because of that understanding. Again, it's not. It's just opening up a new way of thinking or reopening a new way of thinking. And it was because of that understanding that I was actually able to finish uh, the novel I was working on at the time, which is set in Istanbul and called, Enlight called Enlightenment, and finally achieved the kind of form that uh, seemed, uh, seemed right, paradoxical and right. Uh, also, an understanding of uh, my uh, terrain as a writer, something I'm always asking my students to do, understanding where they are in the scheme of things. Uh, and that began with a conversation uh, in this, when we were going over the translation of Istanbul, and there was this gap between uh, was talking about the, the Robert College where he was educated and where I grew up. And uh, it's a very, this one chapter about it, very evasive. And I said, Orhan, uh, my whole life is hidden between these two paragraphs. And he gave me one of his, what I call, ghastly smiles. 
and I thought, okay, I'm going to go back there. Uh, it's also the uh, uh, what, what the other uh, referring to uh, some of the uh, things we talked about yesterday. Uh, it's taught me that we taught me again the joy of dancing in the ruins, which is something actually I did when I was a child. We went all over to the ruins. We played in the ruins. Uh, the uh, it's also made me understand the importance of the moment of rupture, which we were talking about yesterday as, as well, which is very dangerous, but it, it's the place where everything happens. Um, stepping back a little bit, I respect, cherish that artistic space where a conversation between a translator and a novelist can go on, uh, on the page and uh, over the page. Uh, without interference. Uh, it's a very, very precious thing, and uh, I say, I'm sure that I'm not alone in, in having had a uh, difficulty. Uh, we are not alone in having had difficulty to create and uh, create that space. Finally, that I have a new understanding of uh, world literature, and I'll go back to that globe. I was talking that it was my earliest, uh, some of my earliest memories. I still see that globe, but. Uh, instead of seas, I just see these lava streams, and that's where translators live. And I see translators uh, traveling through those spaces. I see them mining, uh, with the, uh, going, plumbing the depths of, uh, of, of uh, all those spaces, uh, and uh, I see them carrying these treasures uh, across them and uh, making conversations happen. Uh, yeah, uh, translators are, are the people who make world literature happen, basically. Um, or those, and I think all writers uh, would, it, you know, would, would very much benefit uh, and learn from that, uh, that. It's a very, very important thing. And uh, uh, translators do this uh, against a fierce market, uh, not opposition, but uh, forces, and uh, political opposition. And uh, I, I I would like to propose that, uh, that translators stop, uh, who are wonderful people and often very, very uh, meek, uh, to stand up and announce themselves as writers who are part of this conversation and not just about what they think about the text, but what they think about the literature and the world in which that literature struggles to survive. And now I'll shut up. Mm -hmm.